y'all doing today? All right, good morning. All right, Haynes gave me specific instructions. Am I in the right place? You got a thumbs up, okay. <laughs> We've got little X's and things up here to make sure we stand in the right place. But Well, good morning. It is so good to be with you as we continue our sermon series on prayer. Hayes kicked it off talking about the story of Mary and Martha and really invited us to remember that prayer, spending time at the feet of Jesus, listening to his word, being in conversation with him, that that is the good part. That is the sweet part of our relationship with God, and that is the part that as we seek him, it'll never be taken away from us. And then Tim, uh, next week following that, he talked about asking and seeking and knocking at the door and he talked about the promises of God in prayer that God promises to hear our prayers and he promises like a good father to to give us the things that we ask for that are within his will and are good for us and today we're going to be focusing on the words that we pray like think about it this week okay just this week um I'm assuming that every single one of you, or maybe most of you, have prayed at least once. Maybe you have prayed multiple times. I want you to think about what were the words that you said, or maybe even if you didn't speak your prayer out loud, maybe it was just you were driving down the road, and you know, maybe it was uh, whatever, you know, you're, you're thinking your prayers, you're talking to God in your thoughts. What words do you say? What, what, are the, what is the content of your prayers? Well, I want to tell you about one of my prayers that I prayed this week. Um, I was driving down the road. I was coming to work. I live in Warner Robins, and it's about a 30-minute drive up to Macon. Uh, and I head up 75 and north, and then I 475. So I was somewhere about the split between 75 and 475. Now, one of the things that I love about my, my drive, and like I said, it's about 30 minutes. It's a great time. I can put on a Pandora worship station. I can worship. I can listen to podcasts. I can talk on the phone. It's just kind of some me time and this particular morning I was worshiping so I had on the, the Pandora station and I mean y'all have y'all ever had this happen I mean I'm just singing to Jesus we're just driving down the road the sky is blue and all is great in my world and all of a sudden I look down at my speedometer <laughs> no no I was not going 70 I was not going 75 I was not going 80 I had topped it on up to 85 maybe even a little further and I went oh I won't fill in the blank there I was in the car by myself oh mm, I am speeding and so I quickly took my my, my gap you know my foot off the gas and what was the next thing I did I looked up in the rearview mirror oh my gosh did anybody did I get what caught so I'm still looking I'm still feeling anxiety so worship has stopped completely no more songs to Jesus it has stopped and I'm looking in the rearview mirror what do I see Yes, I see it. The blues. Come on. Now, listen, if you're a police officer or a highway patrolman, I so respect you. I respect what you do every single day, and I know that I had broken the law. But, y'all, that is a horrible feeling when you look back and all of a sudden you're seeing blue lights. Okay. Here's exactly the truth of what happened. I had no conscious thought whatsoever, but out of the core of my being, I started going, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, please don't let me get caught. Please don't let me get caught. I mean, I was speaking out loud in my car. Jesus, 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 please don't let me get caught. Please don't let me get caught. And the lights, he's coming closer and closer. Now, here's the thing that I honestly thought about doing. 
So I was right there, I think at the, is it the Eisenhower exit right there? I'm thinking that's the one that I was on. He was still pretty far behind me. And I thought, huh, I wonder if I shot off down the ramp and then I scooted in real quick. He might not see which way I go because it's a hill, you know. I literally thought that thought. It was like, I can't do that. I'm a pastor. What if I get caught? <laughs> but anyway, and here he comes, here he comes, here he comes. And I'm going, Jesus, no, Jesus, no, Jesus, no, Jesus, no. And guess what he does? He passes me. It was awesome. He was after somebody else. And then I go, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. Okay, that's just real, all right? We have those kinds of prayers. So I don't know about y'all, but sometimes for me, I fall between, there is a temptation, let me put it this way, to fall between two extremes in prayer. Now see if you can relate to this. There are, on one hand, emergency flare prayers. Now, what do I mean by emergency flare prayers? What I prayed that morning to work was what I would call an emergency flare prayer. Have you ever seen the movie, uh, maybe Castaway, or some, some movie where someone is stranded? Maybe they are in a life raft. The main boat has gone down, and they're in a life raft. Or maybe they're on a deserted island, and they need rescuing. And they maybe in the distance see a ship. Maybe in the distance they see the airplane, you know, looking for their raft or whatever. And so they light the emergency flare, and they just shoot it up into the atmosphere in the grand hope that someone will see and rescue them. So I think sometimes when we pray, because there is some, some event, maybe it's our finances, maybe it's our family, maybe we're worried about our future, and we know that we need help that is beyond ourselves. And so I think in those moments, we, we can desperately pray. I think it's something that's just built within our nature as human beings. In fact, what's interesting to note is that whether, you know, um, when we look at different world religions, uh, you look at the Muslim faith, you look at Judaism, you look at Christianity, these are the three major uh, monotheistic religions in the world. And all, at all three of those, prayer is a central part of those faith, uh, you know, those, those religions, the faith. Um, when anthropologists study, uh, like, cultures, tribal cultures, they find that, that prayer is ingrained in almost all of these tribal cultures and their tribal religions. Um, I read a recent study where they actually uh, asked people who profess no belief in God whatsoever, and they asked the question, do you pray? And interestingly enough, a large percentage of those people said, yeah, I, I do. And that's what I think, that it's built within our nature when we feel that we need help that's beyond what we can do. We send up worry prayers where we begin to cry out to the universe like that emergency flare, God help me. And at those times, like when I was driving down the road, we can put some passion behind those prayers. So I don't know if you've ever felt that way. So you got emergency flare prayers. The other side of prayer, kind of if you think of it as kind of two, two ditches that we don't fall into too much, but the other one is, is what I would call lifeless prayers. This would be a time, or maybe no prayer at all, when there's nothing really bad going on in your life, there's nothing that's kind of, you know, causing you to think, oh my gosh, I need help beyond what I can, I can do today, I need 
God, I need someone to help me out. Life is kind of going great. And then we either just go day after day after day, and maybe we don't even really think to pray. Maybe we read our Bibles, we come to church, but there's no prayer. Or if we do, our prayers might go something like this. Dear God, you know, thank you for today. Thank you for the good night's sleep. Um, will you bless my family and be with me today? And, uh, oh, yeah, and, and Mrs. Jones is in the hospital. If you'll, if you'll bless her. In Jesus' name, amen. And that's your prayer. And not that that's bad and not that emergency prayer, you know, prayers are bad, but I think there is a better way. And that kind of leads us into our scripture today as we look at what is commonly known as the Lord's Prayer. And I think, I wonder if um, the disciples maybe felt that tension that sometimes that we feel is that we wonder if we are using the right words, if we are saying the right thing, if we are really grabbing hold of the God of the universe and praying in a way that is effective and one that would bring him honor and bring him glory as his children. And so the disciples, we see the Lord's Prayer in two places in the New Testament. One is in the book of Luke um, and one is in the Gospel of Matthew. We're actually going to be digging into Matthew's passage today, but there are two common things at the way both of these stories are set up. In the book of Luke, um, it's interesting that the disciples actually come to Jesus and say, will you teach us to pray? Now, what's interesting to me about that, they ask the question, will you teach us to pray? Now, we've kind of already established that the capacity to pray, kind of that, that um, what's the word I'm looking for, just kind of that instinct to cry out when you need help, that it is built within the core of our DNA as human beings. But they said, we need some help here. And it's something that we know we're not quite maybe doing it the same way you do it, as they had watched Jesus pray and they had seen this great power come from Jesus. On the other hand, you know, maybe they often felt, remember in the Garden of Gethsemane and Jesus went to pray and, you know, it was the night before he was going to be crucified. If you'll, you know, you might remember this story if you've kind of read that portion of scripture. And the disciples fell asleep. So maybe they were somewhere between the two, the two extremes. You know, maybe they didn't see power in their prayer or maybe they felt like their prayers were lifeless. They were groggy in prayer. And so they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, in Matthew's gospel, this, the scripture, uh, Matthew puts it in the middle of or, or somewhere in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. And this is Jesus' teaching, and he's teaching about a lot of different things. And he says, he says, when you pray, I want you to pray like this. So he realizes that we need some help and we need some instruction because we need to resolve this tension that sometimes we feel when we know we're between emergency prayer and lifeless prayers. So let's read this passage together and look at what Jesus said. He says, when you pray, I want you to pray like this. Our Heavenly Father, may your name be honored. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day the bread we need. Forgive us what we owe to you as we have also forgiven those who owe anything to us. And keep us clear of temptation and save us from evil. 
I, I chose the J.B. Phillips translation for today because I kind of wanted us to hear it in a different voice. Today, around the world, this is Sunday, around the world, Christians are going to be praying this prayer in unison together. I mean, from the continent of Africa to England to Ireland to Europe, South America, Central America, all around the world, Christians will gather today and they will recite these words. And it's a very powerful connection to our past, to our present, and as we look to the future when we think about our relationship with the global community of faith. So there's something very powerful about that. But I really believe that when Jesus gave us these words, that he wasn't exactly saying, I want you to pray these words by rote. But what I believe he was doing was giving us an outline or a model that we can use to help us pray to keep us from either two extremes. Now, I want to back up and tell you one thing, though. When you look at this passage, it's interesting, too. Before Jesus digs into, here are the words I want you to use, here's your how-to, he says two things. He says, but I want to give you a heads up. There's two things that I want to ask you or encourage you to make sure you don't do this when you pray. Well, that's kind of interesting. Don't do this. This is big. But he says, don't be like the hypocrites who stand out in the streets and they're like, oh, blah, 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 blah. And they think they're going to pray these beautiful, eloquent prayers. And they think that they're going to be heard because of their many words. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I don't think too many people in our culture today have a problem with that because my experience has been that when I'm leading Sunday school or a Bible study or something like that and I say, okay, who would like to pray? What do we hear? Crickets. <laughs> Most of us are not comfortable praying out loud in front of other people because we are aware that others are hearing what we're saying and we think we might be judged. You know what I'm saying? Like somehow we might fall short or come up inadequate. And so really, though, Jesus was saying, don't pray so that people will think you're wonderful. We're kind of tempted to do the same core thing in that we are afraid to pray out loud because we are afraid that people will critique or judge or be critical of our lack of expertise in prayer. But the, the point is the same. Who is our audience in that situation? Other people and not God. The other thing he says is don't think that you'll be heard because of your many words. Don't think that because you, you say this and you say all these words, and he says it's not the, the quantity of your words, but it's really the relationship. And he says, I want you to go into your inner room, and I want you to shut the door. And when you're in there by yourself, I want you to pray to your heavenly Father. And so when you look at that, don't, don't, don't pray so others will notice. Don't think there's magic words. He begins by inviting us into a relationship with the Heavenly Father where we're talking to God, God is talking back to us. I don't know if that sounds freaky that God is talking back to us, but he does. And one of the primary ways he does is through his word and through the illumination of the Holy Spirit. So let's jump in here. And so the big idea is, is I'm going to unpack this, is we want to begin our prayers by focusing on God. So, all right, let's take the Lord's Prayer. And y'all have got it there in your handout. And there are, if I was a, a, an English teacher or something and we were going to diagram this, you would see that there are two parts to your prayer. And so, David, if we want to throw up this, the slide that says begin with God, or is that it? Is that the one that says begin with God? All right. 
All right, so the first part of that prayer, the Lord's Prayer, is we want to center our conversation around who God is. It starts off, our Heavenly Father, may your name be honored, may your kingdom come, and your will be done on, as it is in heaven. The second part of the prayer is all about me. Uh, my daily bread, forgive me, lead me not into temptation. All right, have we got that? So the first part is all about God. The second part is all about me. And so what I think was is surprising, what is unexpected maybe, and maybe what is new to the disciples was we have that natural instinct to go to God immediately with me. Here's what I need, I need, I need, I need. And he says, we're going to get to you. But where I want you to start is I want you to start with me. That first phrase there, he says, our heavenly father. So when you find yourself in a situation where you've got this immediate need, maybe it's a financial situation. I'm just going to throw that out there. Maybe there's something going on financial. If you begin by saying, God, I need help, I need help, I need help, I can't, you know, whatever that is, then sometimes your prayers become worrying out loud and you don't feel any more at peace or less anxious than you did when you first started praying. So God knows that about us. So he says, don't start with what you need. Instead, start with me. Now, my question is, okay, so that sounds great. I start with God. But how do I do that? What does that look like? And I'm going to tell you all what that looks like for me. For me, it begins by starting with a passage of Scripture that helps me see who God is in relation to my current issue that I'm going through. Does that make sense? So I want to see God in light of my current situation. So let's imagine that I was worried about a financial situation. Where would I begin? I might begin by saying, God, you know, as I come before you today in prayer, I am reminded, I, I want to remember and remind myself that when your children were going through the wilderness, that you provided manna from heaven every single day. There was not a day that they went hungry. There was not a day that it wasn't there. Lord, I am reminded that in Psalm 23, you say, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Lord, I am reminded. You see what I'm doing? I'm going through these scripture passages, and it's not that God needs my praise. He's not a narcissist up there who's like, come on, tell me I'm great, tell me I'm great. That's not it. I must orient myself into who God is. And the better I know God, the more true my understanding of who he is, and the more that I have walked with him and experienced his goodness in my life, the greater my trust and the greater my faith is going to be. So when I get to the place where I specifically ask for my need, I'm not worrying out loud. I'm having a conversation with confidence with the God of the universe. So I might say, Lord, I remember how you took care of your people through the wilderness wandering. Lord, I remember in Psalm 23, you said that you would be my shepherd. 
And then I might remind myself and God, not that God needs reminding, I'm the one that needs it. I might remember the time in college when, you know, I didn't know how I was going to pay, you know, my rent that month. Or I might remember the time when, you know, finances were an issue and there was this, you know, just God showed up big. So then I begin to remind myself not only of what the scriptures tell me about who God is and his goodness and his provision to his people, but now I'm beginning to remind myself and God of his times when he's been good and he's provided for me. Does that make sense? So I'm praying, my heaven, our heavenly father, God, you are a good God. You are the one that provided for Israel in the wilderness. You provide for your people like, like a shepherd provides for a sheep. You've provided for me in your past. And Father, right now, I'm so worried about my finances. Or, or fill in the blanks, your children. Fill in uh, your future. You're not sure what you're supposed to do the next step of your life. Whatever that big thing is. So you're reminding God of who he is. You're grounding it in a true understanding of God, not a God that you've imagined and made up in your head because sometimes we create God to be who we want him to be, not who he is rooted and grounded in Scripture. We're reminding God. We're saying, God, I pray that your name would be honored. As I'm going through this season, finances, family, future, whatever it is, Father, I pray that I would glorify you. I pray that you would be glorified in my life, that your name would be honored. As there are those who are watching what I'm going through, I pray that they would, they, that I wouldn't, you know, basically mess it up here. Help me to honor you through this difficult season. Um, my heaven, our heavenly father, the great shepherd, the great provider, may your name be honored. And what is that next phrase there? It says, may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what, praying for your finances. And again, I'm just going to use this as an example. Maybe praying for your future. Father, I pray that your kingdom would come. You know, it's really not about me, and it's really not about me getting my needs met, but it's really about your kingdom being established and people coming to know you. Surrender my heart to your will, whatever that might look like. Surrender my emotions, my affections to your will. Y'all kind of see what I'm doing? I'm taking the prayer almost as prompts to help me, you know, think through uh, who God is, surrendering my will to him, asking for his grace that I might honor and glorify him through that season. And then we begin to pray for ourselves. So the next three parts, he says, give us this day the bread we need. And that's just, here's what I need, God. So, all right, let's imagine that you are, um, I don't know, a college student, and you're not quite sure what the future looks like for you. You need an answer. You need an open door for a job. You need a direction for your life. So you could begin by saying, you know, God, I know you're the great shepherd. I know that you lead your sheep in the way that they should go. Father, I pray that your kingdom would come and that you would use me to be a part of, of, having, of leading others to come to know you. I know that my profession is going to be a big part of what I do in my life, and I pray that that you would guide me and you would open the right doors. Father, I ask that my heart would be patient, my heart would be peaceful during this season of unknowing. I pray that as others look at my life, that you might be glorified and they wouldn't see someone who's riddled with anxiety and fear and trying to control the situation, but they would see the peace that passes all understanding in my heart. 
Does that, do y'all hear what I'm saying? It's like whatever your need is, you begin by spending time with God, and then you move into your need. And in this prayer, the second part, you know, it's give us this day the bread that we need. Forgive us of our, one says, our trespasses as we forgive others. You know, forgive us. Help us to forgive others. Lead us not into temptation. Those three phrases, it just seems to me that we naturally get to those places pretty easy. I mean, you know when you've sinned and you've done something wrong and the Holy Spirit convicts you. If you're a Christ follower and you've got a tender heart, you're going to ask God to forgive you. You're not going to persist in that. When someone has offended you and you're holding anger and bitterness and a grudge, you know, man, I need to get that right. You know sometimes it's hard to be the person that you want to be. You know to cry out to God and say, God, help me. Help me to love this person. Help me. Help me. We kind of get the me part pretty easy. And I think what Jesus is saying here, he says, but if you really want to pray with power, the more time you spend meditating, thinking, celebrating, praising, thanking God for who he is, in a way that is directly related to what you're about to ask him for, you are going to have so much faith and you're going to have so much power because God's got this. You know what I'm saying? So then that's when the peace that passes all understanding, that, that guard your hearts in your mind, that's when you get flooded with all of that because you are literally brought into the presence of God and you see how great he is. And your stuff is, is it's important but you see it in perspective. Now, I want to circle back to something. So we don't want to be lifeless prayers. We don't want to be, you know, the, the, the emergency prayer prayers. But Jesus also says something here that I think is pretty neat. And I want us to catch this because it's easy, it's easy to miss this. You know, he says, go into your inner room and pray. And, and he, what he describes is a, a, a private type of prayer. But when we read the Lord's Prayer... What's that very first word? Got it? Our. Our Father. There's something so powerful about the community of faith when we pray together. Have y'all ever noticed that? That maybe, you know, in your times alone, your devotional times, you can pray, you can have your prayer journal, and, and there's a certain amount of power there. But there is something that's really special about if you're married, when you grab your spouse's hand, and y'all pray out loud over your kids. Or maybe, maybe you're a single mom, and, and, you ha and you're partnering with another single mom. And y'all get together, and y'all pray for your kids together. Or maybe you're in a, a small group Bible study. Maybe you're in a ladies' Bible study, at, uh, one of the Bible studies in the youth group. And y'all pray together about specific concerns, and you pray out loud. Have y'all ever had that experience? There's just a, there is an additional oomph when we do that. And so just kind of as a, as a next step for us, I want to ask us to, I want to encourage you, one, to, to use this Lord's Prayer not as something to recite by rote, but as a model, kind of as a template for prayer. But I want to encourage you also to find a prayer partner. If that's, I mean, if that's something that you're comfortable with, and some of you might not be, and that's okay, but maybe find someone that you can pray with over your future, over your finances, over your planning. And, you know, as Haynes mentioned in the announcements, this, um, this next Sunday, we're going to have a prayer service here. And if there's something that's really on your heart, something that you want 
Do you want God to move? I hope you'll come and let us pray with you. Um, I was talking to somebody this week, and uh, and we were talking about the prayer the prayer service, and uh, and he said, I want to come to the prayer service, and his his tear his eyes teared up, and his voice choked, and he said because I want to pray for, and he said his daughter's name, he said. I'm just, and, and at that point, he almost couldn't, his voice had cracked and he stopped talking, and he just kind of shook his head like, I don't have words right now, and he said, because I know God is going to be present, and I, the collectively, I want to pray with the people of God for my daughter. That was just so, so sweet to me, because I think there is just something that is really powerful about when we come together and when we pray. So as we go out this week, let me encourage you to think about the Lord's Prayer. And so when you're riding down the road and you see the blues flashing, <laughs> I don't know, really, there's just nothing to say, but oh Jesus, oh Jesus, oh Jesus, help me, help me, help me. But really, I want to encourage you to, to think about slowing down and, and praying through the Lord's Prayer, not by rote, but you're letting these phrases be your prompts. And let me encourage you to spend the vast majority of your time focused on who God is, his heart, his wishes, his desire, his will, and let yourself get aligned with that. And I really think the me part is going to be about this big when we let the God part be about this big. Let us pray.